All right, we made it to week eight. I did a show with Blender last year, and it was one of the more popular GPP DFS strategy shows I did. People were clamoring for Blender to come back. Always lots going on in the world of Blender HD, so we are going to do it today on the GPP strategy show. I suffer from a debilitating condition known as atropic shockitis. Peter's one of the greatest depositors I've ever seen. Trust the process. Let's go. Let's go. I got auto-matched with Levitan. This is bullshit. If I just go the other way, in that 66, I win all the money. All the money. If I had 150 lineups, I'd win too. Process over results. Illuminati make a bitch go crazy. I don't know which one of these my baby. Bust out AP. Crush my bullets in your head like KD. Bust it. Bust it. Hey everyone. I know it's Blender Head, and I still say Blender HD. I'm I'm sorry, I, I can't help myself. It doesn't matter. As long as I'm on the top of the leaderboards, call me whatever you want. <laughs> how, how how are we doing? How is this season uh going for you? You you are you have made a name for yourself in the Twitter streets. You have gotten in the beef arena these days. Well, it's good for content, right? It is. It is beef is always good for content. But so, uh, no, I, I haven't played a head. To, I haven't gotten a head to head or and apparently once you go five and oh, they don't want to play you anymore. What is this NBA or and NFL two and oh in NFL and three and oh in the first three slates of NBA. And if it, if, if, uh, if Ben wants to play lineups that are 21 points projected lower than optimal, then, then my, 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 I post them when people, people, people give head to head challenges. I never understand that Pete. People give head-to-head challenges on Twitter. And it's like, dude, if I'm playing, I have head-to-heads posted in the lobby. Just to, You don't even have to tell me. Like, just take them. I don't care. See, I need to be a little careful here. I need to lean into my Dutch heritage as a neutral party. We are trying to get Ben the better on lulls eventually. So I'm going to play, you know, mediator here. Uh, can you help me figure out the evil empire thing? Is the awful Mo and Roto Grinders and you, are you guys the evil empire or is is he the evil empire with the new site? I'm legitimately confused by that. I well, we're pretty much legitimately confused by anything that he does. So, <laughs> so I, I I don't know. You're right. It would make more sense that that we're the evil empire, and he's what the Jedi. Yeah, he's the the hero, our protagonist. That's going to take you guys all down. Well, well, good good luck, good luck to him. I mean, I mean, this all started with me. Like, I don't I don't really care. I'm. Coming from poker, like I don't tap the tank much. There are plenty. Of, there are plenty of bad players on uh, that I that I follow on Twitter as it is that people don't realize are bad. And I don't say anything. I just let 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 them win every once in a while, and they'll lose money other times. But but if, if in in this space, it, to me at least, maybe I overvalue it. Is that my integrity means something? So if someone's going to call me a cheater or colluder, you know, doing something shady, like. I'm going to attack them. I'm going to attack them right back. I'm going to punch back this, as hard as they do, uh, because you know, you call me call me a bad player, something of objective opinion. Call me not funny. Fine, okay. I'm not going to argue with that. That's you know, you're an idiot then. But don't you know? Oh, this guy's a losing player. It's like, well, it's scoreboard. I put like, dude, you you can't you can't use that against me. I literally post my results publicly. So like. So those are the types of things. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't care how bad he is. Who cares? I think we're all just we're all just bored and DFS is starved for drama, right? That's why everyone was lapping up the chess is okay content. You know, we're we're all watching uh Osimo and Whistles race each other on the beach. We just desperately want drama and content around this sport that we like to play. Well, it's all for lulls. I mean, that's what I'm on Twitter for. I mean, here's a show that I'm doing. Here's a thing I'm promoting and jokes. And that's, that's it. I mean, what else is it for? Yeah. Uh, it, it is very true. I, I, um, I think because I'm on air so much, I save most of my takes just for shows. And I, I think I'm different from you guys in that. I do not like, uh, having back and forth on Twitter. It's either a joke or promoting something, but I cannot have honest back and forth on Twitter. Whenever I see it going down, I, I say, God bless your souls. No, I look for that. I look for, I, I, I have my tweet deck open when I see stuff going on. I'm getting, I, I, I'm doing four shows in a row today. I couldn't get my, my, my Tomahawk chop joke out. Uh, Wait, what's this joke? 
No, well, uh, Jeff uh, Passan is uh, in MLB is, is trying to cancel the the chop for, uh, uh, for the Braves. Okay. And I was gonna. There's gonna be. There's some joke involving like uh, while you're at it, uh, you know, can we get rid of chops and showdown or something? I, I like know? that. I like. Right? That. It's gonna yeah, be that... some. I don't know how I would word it, but that would be the concept of the joke. Yeah, something about canceling uh, chops and showdown. I think right. uh, there's something there. Um, right. How has your DFS season uh, been going so far? I will admit I have my pod consumption is is down, so I haven't gotten to check out theory of DFS as much as I'd like to. When you're broadcasting all the time, it means you can't also simultaneously listen to podcasts. But how how has your season been going? Uh, not great, but not bad. Uh, I think over the past, you know, I I think I'm. Slightly down in cash. I had two bad cash weeks. Uh, I'm cashing GPP lineups, but they're not getting up there. Uh, last last week was the first time that I didn't like multi-enter. I was I just I played 17 lineups into single entry and three maxes. So basically, the power sweeps, the spies, red zone, like kind of fifty dollars and up. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's it's chaos. I mean, to try to do 150, 200 lineups, uh, and I wanted I wanted to see if I focus more. And I thought last week was a good example of like I I only liked a couple of spots. So it's like, do I why do I have to worry about having you know how much how much three uh, percent Dante Pettis do I need? Like how much like all the like subsidiary guys? Yeah, that it's like yeah they'll show up in 150 lineups, but. If you're just playing 17 lineups and the largest contest you're playing is 5,000 entries, yeah, like I could just X out play. I could just like I'm just not going to play these. I'm just I'm playing these four games, and that's it. And if Jamar Chase beats me, then he beats me, right? Yeah. I'm not playing the Bengals Ravens game, and just whatever happens happens. And I think I'm going to be doing that again this week. And when it, when I did that, my line, line my lineups were very good. Yeah, I mean they didn't. I mean they didn't get up into the top 10, percent but. Like I, I was, I was satisfied with how I played yet. When I do, when I do large multi-entry builds while still doing that, one of those two things suffer either my multi-entry builds. I, I like what I built. And then my, you know, I I'll build eight lineups into the, you know, spies and power sweeps. And I'll be sitting there like 40 minutes before lock, just rushing through them. Just yeah. like, I, I got to get something in and I end up, end up at four o'clock looking at like the progression of them and going, had I thought longer, I wouldn't have played it like this. Yeah. How so I, I'm, I'm kind of doing the, the, the opposite. I, I, I think I'm this week I'm focusing more on, on the smaller field, uh, midfield. I mean, it's not small, small, yeah. field, but smaller I, than I'm used to. How are you? Cause I was talking about this with Wiggins and Leone and how they wrestle with contest selection where in a perfect world you'd evaluate the slate on saturday night and then decide which contest you want to enter obviously stuff fills by then some stuff is not available so how do you think about that as allowing a slate to dictate the ideal contest for you to play but also needing to reg on time well i think the contest that i that i look to play is more opponent based than than what the slate looks like obviously we know that the larger field contests have the, the weakest opponents the problem this year has been they the DraftKings has has ruined the slant. <laughs> really? I mean, essentially, I mean, the slant used to be last year uh, about sixty to seventy thousand entries, one fifty max with a nine dollar entry fee, two x min cash, fifty thousand a first, and flat up top. So like tenth place was five grand. Yeah, like so ten. It was like it was perfect, and the less and less they make those entries the more and more it's filled with basically good players with, that are playing 150 lineups. So when you have a 30,000 entry contest, like it used to be 27% of the field were 150 maxers. Now more than half the field is 150 maxers. And now the first place is 25 or $30,000. And now the flat, now it's not as flat up top. It's still flatter than most of the others. But now you're getting now you look at the flea flicker, which is five dollars, fifty thousand a first, sixty thousand entries. But the payout structure is is you know, by the time you get to tenth place, here's a set of steak knives. Yeah, like that that makes more sense. You add the the, the amount of one fifty maxers in that field goes back down to twenty five to thirty percent. And now, but now the, the main reason you play the slant is because of the payout structure more than anything. So once I look at that, I like that's what I looked at last week. And and once I saw that on Friday, I'm like, 
Now I'm just going to focus on the single entry three max stuff now because like why am I putting 150 lineups into the slant now? Like it did, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense from an opponent standpoint. Yeah. And once you once you do that, then it's like well, if I'm not going to do that and I'm not going to play the flea flicker and I don't play the millie, like why am I building 200 lineups? Yeah, and I assume. Uh, I mean, how much? How much time, uh, of course, we have the chess is okay, 80 hours a week. How much time when you do the MME of the slant, what do you think your total amount of hours prepping for that is? Four. Like, literally, I'm on this show right now. I've, I've, just, I've just started to look at the slate. Yeah. I mean, like, I've, done, I've just started, like, on the pregame show I just did before this, like, I was running lineups just to see combinations, stack combinations, how they project together. Like it's, it's Friday. Like when people ask me like, so what do you, what do you think of so-and-so on Tuesday afternoon? I go, I, I'm not even sure what teams are playing, which now, I mean, like I, like I, I don't even know what the hell's going on. And since my process is very much focused around the numbers. Yeah. Like I, I just assume, I just assume rightfully so that anything football related is in the projections. Yep. So the news is going to come out is, is like, we, we didn't know earlier this week if Gronk was going to play. Yeah. So like, why am I building Tampa lineups until like, like, like we didn't know yet last week if Waller was going to play. And that was a big thing with Foster Moreau. So like, what was the point of me? What, 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 what time am I spending on Wednesday and Thursday for NFL? Like, yeah, there's, there's no reason, but even now, technically I probably will not start making decisions on lineups until tomorrow night. Yeah. So because because then, then we'll get the injury reports and everything for Saturday afternoon. Then you could start going through everything. Yeah. And I even, I, I got in a trap last week. I've been doing the same thing where I do my first kind of main builds on Saturday night. But even then I was, I got anchored to that Tua double stack because earlier in the week, it looked like it was going to be a little bit under the radar. And then I missed the steam and I had already loaded it in and I fell in love with it. And then we flip over the cards and it's the chalk double stack in our single entry three max. I'm like, I, I didn't look at it with a fresh set of eyes on Sunday morning. Well, I mean, I played that stack also, but I think, I think in the higher stakes last week, uh, people, pe- uh, the chiefs actually ended up being, being the chalk. Mm-hmm. Like, and what it was one of those like leveling things where early in the week, it's like, Oh, people are going to just jam in the chiefs Titans game. Cause it's the highest total by seven points. And then in the middle of the week, it was like, well, everyone's trying to get off of that. And then by the end of the week, everyone's like overcompensates by like, I think everyone's getting off of that. So now I'm going to go, I'm going to double down on Hill and Kelsey. Yeah. And then I take a look at the, at stuff like the game changer, the luxury box. And it's like Tyreek Hill is 18% owned. And it's like, like Cooper cup is 16% owned. And I'm sitting there going like in my lineups and I'm playing the spy in the power sweep. And I, I, I jammed them in. Cause it's like, like, I thought he would be chalky, yeah. but I thought he should be 30% owned. Yeah. And it turns out he was, he was less chalky than I even thought he was. And, and I'm, I'm, I, and the, I'm doing my late swaps trying to take him out. Yeah. Right. Like, cause I'm like, oh, he's going to be owned. So I'm going to, I'm going to switch Godwin to Evans. I'm going to switch cup to woods, you know, stuff like that. And then once I saw cups ownership, I'm like, I should have just left cup in all my life. Yeah. Well, Cup is an interesting one, too. And I do think with the single entry game changer, the higher stakes, three max, like the juke and stuff like that, I do really think a large, large portion of the field is they're listening to Dink and Leone. They're listening to you and Stewart on the advanced analytics podcast. And it's like the GPP bros, we don't talk about Cooper Cup all week because we just assume he is going to be complete chalk. And I feel like those contests are heavily influenced by like GPP bro tout steam more so than other contests. And, and that often gets reflected when we flip the cards over. Well, well, that's the most important thing when you play DFS is what contest are you playing? So like in the lower stakes contests, that GPP bro leveling doesn't happen. Right. Like which, which gets to the point that a lot of people, uh, don't understand when I say I play more contrarian in single entry three max small field than I do in large field. And they, yep. they don't get that. It doesn't mean that I'm playing nutso lineups. It just means that the ownership differences in the higher stakes, smaller field stuff is more, I would say more efficient in certain ways, which means you have to get contrarian in different ways. While in the low stakes, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to jam in the chalk, the chalk is probably not owned enough 
Right. So it it makes more sense to just you know just just eat Daryl Henderson just like like Daryl Henderson should be should be thirty seven percent owned and he's going to be twenty eight percent owned and then okay so just jam him in in the in the five dollar three dollar the milli but in the higher stakes Henderson could be forty eight percent owned and he really only should be forty two percent owned and there there you could get different but once you do those types of flips like you're done like like the the field size is small enough. That once you find like any type of major leverage spot like that, like, dude, you shouldn't be sacrificing much projection in the rest of your lineup because it's unnecessary. Right. Yeah. And I feel like the past couple of weeks specifically, and I'm, I'm looking at running back on this slate and it's like the top 11, 12 guys all by ceiling projection are all catching 10 plus percentage points of ownership or more. And I feel like we've had a lot of this similar to wide receiver, maybe top nine until we get down to like a Mike Williams, but how, are you still looking for the kind of obvious leverage points in building from there? What do you do when it looks really flat up at the top? Well, that that's the importance of considering lineups and not players. So that's why I run line. That's why to me, Saturday night is the time to run lineups. And when I say run lineups, like you're a hand, like I'm a hybrid player, right? You, you, you're, you're a hand, you're a hand builder, right? I, I I consider myself more hybrid now where I'm I'm looking, I'm putting rules in optimizers. I'm I'm looking at the double stacks. I mean, seeing what appears frequently because earlier on this season, I think I was sacrificing too much projected points with my galaxy brain hand builds. And so I've tightened it up into what I would consider a more hybrid right now. Okay. So you do something more similar to what I've always done. Yeah. Where people ask, like, what are you playing? It's like, well, I look like or or, or people ask, you, you get this. Do you, what do you start with? Right. Right. Like, oh, I'm mean, you're going to build a lineup. Do you start at running back? Do you start, do you just plug in the lowest defense? I'm like, dude, I don't start anywhere. I start with the full lineup because I'm looking at the whole lineup together. Yep. So like in lineup HQ on Roto Grinders, like I'm just running lineups and seeing what they look like together. What's the total projection? What do they look like? And then if I have any, any uh, leverage possibilities to go, well, if Cooper Cup doesn't have a good game and Robert Woods does. Well, what does the Robert Woods lineups look like? Right. How many projected points am I giving up by doing that that kind of leverage swap? And then judging it from there. So like it's but I'm looking at the full lineup and I go, if I if I play Robert Woods, like for for uh, this slate coming up instead of last slate. Uh we I mean, obviously Daryl Henderson is gonna be super chalky. Yeah. At the running back position. Uh I think Godwin is gonna be chalky at the uh wide receiver position. Yep. Like if, uh, you know, if you want to play something like, like what would be, is Kenny Gainwell going to be owned? That's an interesting one. I, I don't think he is. I think he's going to be sub 10%. Because currently on Roto-Grinders, we have him at 20. Okay. Yeah. ETR and Osimo have him much lower than that. Okay. Because I'm just looking at those types of situations of like, like, for to me, it seems like maybe Fournette is the odd running back out that could be leverage off of Godwin. Yeah, but the thing is, is like, well, what do I what do I have to sacrifice in order to do that? So, if like, if I if I lock in Fournette into lineup HQ with the blitz projections, yeah, I would want to see what. Let me take a look at Godwin lineups, and then let me take a look at Fournette lineups that look very similar to that. And how many points am I giving up? If it ends right. up that I'm barely giving up any points, like I, I could look at the top Godwin. I, I ran some three plus ones and the top Godwin lineup I have projects for like 155.79. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, who cares what the stack is? I, I'm just looking at the number yeah. of points and like that. So if I go down, I don't think I get any Fournette in the top. No, I don't get any Fournette in the top hundred of doing three plus ones. So if I go to Fournette now, I know this this is on this is not on your screen. And because Fournette does not project nearly as well this week. So if I if I do that and I run lineups, yeah. Uh I shouldn't instead of running a hundred, I'll just run like five or whatever. Yeah. Just give me the top one. 151.38. Right. So like the difference between 151 and 150. Yeah, I'm sacrificing like four points to not have Godwin and have Fournette, which is in my it's a touchdown swing, which is very random. 
and yet to to make up that projection difference, which is which is nothing in in an NFL tournament. Right. But the thing is, is that I know in my four net lineups, like I can't then also go Robert Woods over Daryl Henderson. Because now and be now and be sacrificing even more. Too much, yeah. Right, too much at that point. I'm already I've already dropped my ownership enough to a range in which it's good for the contest size. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm done. And now I really should just be jamming in the best projected plays at that point. Once I do that. Now in my lineups that have Godwin instead of Fournette, now I could do something. Now I need to find something, something different. So it's not a matter of just like. Like so many people are like, well, I'm not going to play this chalky guy. What's the leverage on that? They galaxy brain. I've seen your show before. You, you're, you've used to do the ones where it's like, well, if Godwin's going to be chalk, I'm going to play Fournette. If Cup's going to be chalk, I'm going to play Woods. If, if Gainwell's going to be chalk, I'm going to play Devontae Smith. And by the time you get to it, you've sacrificed 27 points of projection for the sake of having like all the spots be leveraged where you just you don't need to fade all of them. I can't have my GPP bro card stripped away, man. I got to have these galaxy braid lineups. Uh, <laughs> one, one uh, big topic of conversation that I've seen popping up here recently, Corey mentions it here. It's this whole idea. Do we need to do bringbacks? I've, I've seen a lot of people arguing uh, about this, that, you know, a lot of the top players now aren't forcing bringbacks as much. How are you thinking about this? Because I know you've been a, a big time correlation, bro. The mini correlations, the bringbacks. Do you think bringbacks are being overutilized these days and people are sacrificing too many projected points in doing so? People are asking the wrong questions. That's when, when I hear things like this, uh, as, as I always say, which may be condescending and arrogant or, or stupid or whatever, or idiotic or whatever people would say, uh, if you could answer a question in DFS with the word yes or no, then it's a stupid question, right? Because there's no such thing as black or white here. So do you force runbacks? Like you, sh- you should have never forced runbacks to begin with, right? Like there's no forcing of anything. It depends on the lineup. So what I will do in lineup HQ is, you, and you can do this without even running lineups. Obviously runbacks, are and there's a simple way of doing it because I've heard I've heard uh, like Leone and you talk about the football. I take football out of DFS, right? I don't care about the foot. Like, well, does Brady have to be pushed, right? Does Dak Prescott have to be put? Like, it's all of that stuff is already accounted for in the in the projections of the the pace of the game and everything like that. All I need to see is how many. It's very simple. It sounds almost too simple. Well, how would the how the projection of all the players in the game? Like, like, yeah, like last week with those Brady double stacks, I played four of them and only one of them had Darnell Mooney. Three of them were just no, no Bears runbacks at all. And the reason why I did that is because no one on the Bears projected well. I mean, it's just as simple as that of like looking at the projections and go compared to their salary, who projects well in this game? Brady, Godwin, Evans, Fournette a little, uh, who projects well in the Bears? Mooney, slightly. So I knew that if I jammed, if I put in Mooney in my lineup, it would sacrifice projection in order to get that correlation in. Right. Was that worth it? So right. the goal is like judging how much the correlation is worth. And as 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 Brian Hooper's pointed out, unless you have some type of simulation me- uh, methodology, you're pretty much just going to be guessing at that point. So you have to guess how much are you worth? Is it worth giving up? And I saw in running the actual lineups that my non that by not having Mooney in there, I still maintained a good ownership level and had a two point higher projection. So it's like, like Mooney's not necessary. Like no bear was necessary. So like, why am I doing that? But in other games where the other side of the game projects well, also then I'm much more inclined to to have the run back because the player that I'm putting in, if Mooney was 4,600 and projected well, he'd be good as a one-off in other lineups as it is. Right. Then another $4,600 player. Like let's compare Mooney with Renfro last week, right? Before, before Waller was rolled out. Like Renfro and Mooney had very similar projection. Renfro was a little bit higher, but he was also $200 more expensive. So in the case that I have a Brady stack with Evans and Godwin, and I have an option of playing a, a receiver of that level, that salary level. 
Well, if they're if if I'm only sacrificing if 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 Darnell Mooney was projected for ten and Renfro was projected for ten point five, well, I, why, why don't I just play Mooney in that spot? But if Renfro projected for fifteen and Mooney projected for ten, like is it worth five points? No, then play Renfro. Don't play the correlation part of that lineup. So to me, it's not a it's not a football question. It's not a yes or no. It's a run the lineups, and I'm more likely to play runbacks in games where both sides of the ball project well and in games that both sides of the ball don't project well, then I'm only going to play one side of the game. Yeah. And I think my guess is where hand builders get tripped up is a lot of people like to start their lineup with their double stack and bring back. Like this is the starting point. So if you're not, how do you get to that starting point? The, the, The issue that I have with the people that are hand building is that, you should have already known the information that I'm saying before you even start hand building, right? You, we'd, you'd already look at the projections and go, well, this game projects well. So I'm more likely to three plus one and do the run back or whatever and that and see another game and go, this game doesn't project well. Maybe I put a run back in there, but let's start with just the double stack and see how it goes. Like, obviously, I'm not a big fan of building by, you know, linearly like that. I'd rather yeah. just look at the lineup as a whole. But if you're going to do it that way, wouldn't the first part of your research before you put in anyone in the lineup is to like, well, what games reject well? Right. I think though, for P- the reason people in general like the double stack bring back, the reason they like the concept of mini correlations is because it removes the amount of decisions you have to make. Like this week, you can look, it's a pretty big wide receiver pool. I think people feel overwhelmed and they're like, wow, I can bang out three of my running or wide receiver slots because I know I'm doing two in a double stack and one in a bring back. I think people like narrowing down the player pool for themselves because then you back it out and they say, okay, well now if I'm just going to start with the double stack and then fill out, well, should it just be a single stack? Should it just be a naked? You know, where, where do I start is the question the hand builders seem to have. Oh, that's why you run the lineups and see, I mean, like that's, I mean, that's the simple thing. Like what I will do, like I did these three plus ones, ran it through the blitz projections. Now, a lot of times I will be using an aggregate, not just the blitz projections. I will also run in different, to figure out ownership, I'll run ETR, I'll run Awesomeo, I'll run Daily Roto, I'll run Fantasy Labs, I'll run like all like the entire this, evil empire. Right, the entire evil, of course, the entire evil empire. Uh, to see like, oh, if people are just looking at one source, what are they most likely to play? Right. Like I may have an aggregate that is weighted differently. I tend to I tend to trust Cardi more than most sources, so the Blitz is typically uh, weighted the highest in my aggregate, but just to see what people what people are building, but then comparing. You could go through and go, uh, let me build Brady double stacks with a run back. Let me build da- Brady double stacks without a run back. Let me build Brady uh, single stacks with a run back, a two plus one. Let me just run a Brady plus, you know, two plus zero. Let, let me run those, and instead of doing Godwin and Evans, let me put Fournette so you have the running back in there also. So it's a Brady-Fournette. Godwin type of thing. Cause some people force the wide receiver tight end and not the running back. So compare those lineups to one another and see right. like, is there that dramatic of a difference? And if you see a dramatic difference, I took a look, I just saw, cause I mentioned it, uh, this, uh, in the early show, these Ram stacks, mm-hmm. uh, if you run three plus ones on the Rams, you get cooks obviously, because you're going to be playing Stafford plus the way it comes out is Stafford plus Henderson plus cup plus cooks is the, is the highest projected version of that, of that three plus one. And if you run three plus ones, you get no Texans. So you get no Davis mills. But if you, if you run, uh, if you run uh, three plus ones and you use Henderson as the run back in a mills cooks Aikens type of stack, those lineups actually project not that badly. Right. So it's the type of thing where uh, the only reason you'd be playing Davis Mills is in, a, in a lineup is because you're playing Daryl Henderson. Right. Right. Because Daryl Henderson projects as the highest, the highest projected running back. And he has a, you know, a, a salary adjusted value plus minus of like almost seven. So like to, for him not to be in a lineup, like you, you need to have him in a lineup to raise your projection high enough. And that makes up for Davis Mills being horrible. And because only because Davis Mills is in happens to be in the same game as Daryl Henderson. If once you take out Henderson from that lineup and don't use him as the bringback, Davis Mills stacks are, are you would never play them. Right. 
it's so funny that's, that, those are the types of things that you look that, that that this is what the hand builders need to do before they hand yeah uh, i was just gonna say too it is funny because i remember it was two years ago and i think you had you had had a really nice lineup uh that won a contest and i re- for some reason it's imprinted in my head but it was a matt schaub or i believe uh falcons double stack and you had dalvin cook is the high priced you know popular running back as the play but it was the 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 vomit stack on the other side of it that that got it for you there and i always had that uh that thought in my head too of you're playing the high priced popular running back for a reason what if the other side is now forced to throw in garbage time and you're you're doing it very cheaply. Right, but that's already accounted for in the projection. So I'm just yeah. looking at the lineup as a whole going, yeah, but I uh, if you could play that, that stack projects well enough that I could jam in Cook, which is correlated to that stack, and then still jam in the best plays everywhere else. I mean, you made fun of me, what, last year or two years ago? for the, Me making the, fun of you? No. Yeah, whatever. You, 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 or at least uh, bemoaning my Stafford when Marvin Jones had that four touchdown game <laughs> and I came in third in the spy. And you're like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sick fuck for having the, the, the two percent Stafford, two percent Marvin Jones in a spy lineup. But then you looked at the rest of my lineup, and it was like stone nut chalk. Yeah. Everywhere else, it's like because once you're playing that, once I played that stack, like, dude, I'm just jamming in the, just jamming the best plays at that point. Why, why do I have to sacrifice any more projection when I already have my ownership down that much? Yeah. Let me, let me press you on the, um, trying to find, um double stacks or whatever that might work because I did this exercise before the show. I first ran it. They were all Hertz doubles that were showing up. Then I X'd out Hertz and they were all Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. And those are looking like the top three most popular quarterbacks on the slate. So it makes sense that the ownership is going to follow the best, you know, projected plays. How, how do you know when to get down to the vomit stack or how are you searching for those plays when they might not show up? when you're running those, those rules, like I would have to probably X out a lot of quarterbacks to start to get some of those other guys in there. You don't have to, all you have to do is cap them. What I do, like what I did right now. Okay. I ran a hundred in, uh, okay. This, uh, let me get rid of this build that I have in front of me that I did with Fournette. I'm using the blitz projections as of, of last night at seven So Obviously these things could change. So what I would do, I set up a three plus one mm-hmm. using wide receiver tight end, which means it can't be the running back as yeah. part of the, the stack and a run back. Can you guess what, based on the blitz projections, what the highest projected lineup brings back? Who is the quarterback and who's the, what's the stack of the highest projected lineup? Uh, j- which play? I think, I assume it's the, 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 uh, with two pass catchers, you said? Yeah, it's a three plus one with two pass catchers. Um, I am going to say that it is a Jalen Hurts, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard with a... Who are they playing? <laughs> <laughs> They're playing Lions. With a DeAndre Swift bring back. No, that would be incorrect. Uh, the, the Jalen Hurts lineups project at 153. The top one is 153. The lineup is Hertz plus Smith plus Goddard. The run back is uh or this has no run backs. Hold on. Let, let me run let me run the I don't know which which build is which. What am I looking at? You tell me. <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying to go through and see. Is this is this the build with the run backs? Let's see. I've been clicking on everything. Uh let's see. Uh, while you're doing this, I'm going to do a quick plug for the Deposit Kingdom Rake Free Tournament. It's the link pinned in the chat. It's also in the show notes. DraftKings bumped it up to 470 entries this week. I asked for 469. They said their system doesn't allow for odd numbers like that. So it is 470. It will fill by later tonight, early tomorrow morning. If you want to get in a Rake Free contest, this is your chance. Okay. So I got the Hur- the Hertz lineup is yet. Is Hertz, Smith, Goddard, Swift run back. Yeah. 153.25. But it's mm-hmm. not it's not the highest projected lineup. It, it's actually two points lower projected than some other lineups. Uh I will guess uh Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Jared Cook with the Jacoby Myers bring back. Okay. Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Jared Cook, Jacoby Myers. See, the fact that you could visualize these things 
Like once you get experience, you you see that you I, don't I ran need these to, earlier. So but, well, I, I, but I'm just saying that yeah. you could just like who are the highest rejected players in the game and how do I fit four of them together? Yeah. Right. That lineup is 152.94. Obviously, it has Henderson, it has, I mean, it has Godwin in it, uh, but that's not the highest. Right. You go Herbert. And then some people may think Justin uh Josh Allen. Josh Allen doesn't even show up in the top hundred optimals at all. Yeah. Okay. Uh uh, Tom Brady, Tom Brady shows up. Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin with a uh, Adam Troutman at tight end oh, run back. Okay. So you could tell the fact that it has to put in Troutman at tight end means that this lineup is going to be low projected. 147.77. Yep. So now I'm looking at, at, at like Tom Brady stacks is like, maybe this isn't the way to go. I look at Josh Allen going, this isn't the way to go. And then I take a look at what the highest projected lineup is based on the blitz as of last night. 155.79. And you wouldn't believe who the quarterback is. Let me take a stab. Is it is it Sam Darnold? That's correct. Okay. Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore with Calvin Ridley as a run back. And it for it puts in Godwin Swift, Henderson, and as Janu Smith as a punt tight end and the Browns defense. Oh, but God. you could obviously make money. You have Dan Arnold in there instead. There's, a, there's one that has Dan Arnold instead of John U. Smith. There's what, uh, I mean, all of these, Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold. If I go to the next one, then it comes Jalen Hurts. Then we get the Jalen Hurts stuff. But that's two points lower projected than some of these Darnold ones. Then we get a Mac Jones. Mac Jones, Jacoby Myers, John U. Smith with Austin Eckler as the run back. And then we get more Jalen Hurts, more Mac Jones. Then we get a Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst with DJ Moore. The Blitz is much higher on DJ Moore this week yeah. than, other, than other places. So that that's obviously pushing up the, the Sam Darnold stacks. So that's why I said I wanted to make sure that I'm highlighting as of 1028 at 722, the timestamp on the Blitz projections. That's what it currently is. But it doesn't mean that like that's the most accurate or Cardi has to make changes. But, uh, and also it doesn't mean that Sam Darnold doesn't get benched at the half regardless. Right, right. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter anyway. If, uh, if I had more blender in me, I would start yelling at you for, uh, this is literally the exact conversation we're having right now, Nick. We're trying to flesh out this idea of when to bring it back and when not to bring it back. Right, but Calvin Ridley projects well enough if we take a look at that Carolina-Atlanta game. Like, this, people want to have that answer. I'm showing you the answer. I mean, not necessarily technically on the screen, but I'm going to the projection. So I'm going, I'm going, I'm putting the flex, right? The flex spot in lineup HQ. So it just shows me everything. I'm taking out all the games. So now I'm going to go to Cincinnati Jets. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and I take a look at this RGV one. value, which is the salary adjusted value plus minus. Fantasy Labs has it as it's called just plus minus in labs. Uh, ETR will have it as like the value number. We have right? it in uh, in Run the Sims, the uh, lever optimal leverage, you know, basically how often it's appearing in the Sims minus the the ownership kind of. Oh, no, but concept. this isn't a leverage. This is just a projection versus salary. Oh, OK. Right. So it has nothing. to. I'm not even considering ownership at all. So in the in the in the Cincinnati Jets in the Bengals Jets game, the only three players that have a positive salary adjusted value is Mixon, Higgins, and Carter. And who? Who's the last one? Michael Carter. Yeah. So most likely you're not playing two running backs together like this. Like Jamar Chase is not one of them. Obviously he has a high ceiling. So like this game, like this is the reason why I'm not getting Joe Burrow. This is the reason I'm not getting uh White or whatever. Like, yeah, because the other players don't project, like they're not going to show up in the top hundred lineups. They're not going to show up in the top 300 lineups, even capping 10% of each quarterback. They're not even going to come up. So if I go to the next game, Miami Buffalo, where they go, oh, Josh Allen, double stacks. Why don't I play them? Cole Beasley is the only one with a positive salary adjusted value in this game, right? Stefan Diggs has a nice 18.69 median projection, 27 point ceiling, but Really, at eighty one hundred, he he probably for eighty one hundred he should have a nineteen point projection. Yeah, right? when I so, ran the doubles with Josh Allen, he wasn't even showing up, and um, you were getting Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley as the two right. receivers. Right. 
but still going game by game. Like I didn't even have to run lineups. I could just go through and go like, why am I getting a lot of Carolina Atlanta? Well, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, both have like plus four salary adjusted values. Hubbard, Patterson, and Anderson have plus two. Kyle Pitts and Terrence Marshall are just slightly negative. So I would, I don't even have to run lineups to see that. Well, if there's a lot of players in a game that have a positive salary adjusted value, well, why wouldn't you play them together? Because now you get the added boost of correlation in, on top of that. So I shouldn't be shocked when Darnold stacks and Ryan stacks show up towards the top. And if you're using a different projection set, these may be different people. Like if you're looking at some other projection that has this game much lower right, and has another game much higher, then, then so be it. I mean, like these are just the numbers I'm looking at. Feel free to aggregate and, and change the numbers all you want. Change the ownership, change everything. But if you just looked at the numbers, you wouldn't have to think of do it. Does this team have to be pushed? Does that how to what's the tight end matchups? What's and all the football stuff's already taken care of for you. You're just trying to put numbers together in the be better spots than other people in your contest. And and we both know, Pete, that with the, the questions that are that are asked, that people just don't want to trust the numbers. Yeah, I someone had asked that question. Uh in the discord frankie said why do you think so many people still can't grasp the concept of of these fundamentals why are you answering the same questions over and over why why don't people want to uh to go down this path well i think it's the dunning kruger effect i mean to, to me that's how, that's how I, and it's for, on both on both sides of the spectrum so the dunning kruger effect is that the the more the more the, the lower ability a person has in something the more likely they are to overestimate their ability so yeah, especially when it comes to daily fantasy sports, where a lot of a lot of the math is obfuscated. It looks like a game of picking what I think sports teams and sports players are going to do, and it's really a game of just how to beat other people mathematically with lineups, the expected value of lineups. But the more the more people are convinced that they know football, the more likely they push back into something what I say, and they can say that. Like what I'm talking about is idiotic, right? So like how are they ever going to understand the fundamentals, the game theory of DFS and get better? Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a thing where they have low ability, they overestimate it, and then they have confirmation bias in their results. So they'll point out the one or two times where their knowledge turned into money, but discount the 80 other times that it didn't. And they're not a profitable player. So it's like, like it's just to change that world, that world you change is the hardest thing in all of DFS. And then once you finally get it, I tell people like, once you get it, you start, you look at this and you go, how did I not realize how simple this is? And then, then from my side of the spectrum, you have sharper players. The Dunning-Kruger effect works the other way. Also, the higher ability you have in something, the less likely you are to underestimate the ability of other people. And that's when, and that's when you get stupid Saturdays where, where people come and give me the stupid questions. And my attitude is, how are you such an idiot? Yeah, it's it's true. I used to, you know, two years ago, uh, you know, trying to consume all this information, trying to juggle all these variables that were impossible for me to juggle. In my head, and my process has never been more simplified now. I'm looking at basically four different columns in my spreadsheet, value, ceiling, ownership, and how frequently they're appearing in The Sims. And I can get an entire feel for every play and every slate just by those four inputs. And 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 you're making more money doing that. Much much right. more. Yeah. <laughs> what do you what do you say to people cuz I've I've had this conversation you have to get this asked a lot when the chalk is hitting a bunch I saw it in the chat earlier chalk is hitting too much this year people say why would I ever, you know, play contrarian and if I'm going to lose all these weeks I could just play Cooper Cup every week and just not not worry about it. Maybe Cooper Cup's not a good example. But how do you how do you answer people when they say I'm sorry the projections are too good the chalk hits every week I I can't go contrarian the chalk is too good. Well the 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 chalk doesn't hit every week. What are we talking about? You you remember one of the chalk pieces hit, but you don't remember like not all the chalk. We don't have we didn't have a week. I know last year we had a week where like 320 points won like the yeah. tournament. Like that, that's a chalk smash week. Like none, none of the weeks this year, the chalk is hit. None of them. Which means all of them together, right? Last week, if you faded Henderson, you were better off. The week before, if you faded Kareem Hunt, 
who was unfadeable, right, to some people. Well, you did better. You could go back every week this season and find 20 plus percent owned players that were not either either failed or just were not necessary. So, like, it's not a matter of like, well, I'm just going to jam in all the chalk. Well, I mean, if you're playing cash games, sure. It's it's not a matter of do you play chalk or do you not play chalk. It's what does your lineup look like as a whole? And those lineups will look, half of it will look chalky and half of it won't look chalky. But what the chalk is, is different in different lineups. So like that that's the, the questions that people that I, that I don't like when people are, are you playing this guy? Like, well, I'm playing 17 lineups and some, I'm playing him in some lineups and I'm playing him not in other lineups. Well, what do you mean? Do you think he's going to do good? It's like, I have no idea what he's going to do. All I know is that he makes sense in this lineup, but not in that lineup. And if I'm going to play Daryl Henderson in this lineup, I'm not going to play Chris Godwin in the lineup. And then they'll ask me, Pete, do you set a group? So you separate Godwin and uh, and uh, Henderson. Oh, right. Okay. And uh, Because they're two chalky players. Right. To make sure you don't play them in the same lineup. I go, yeah, but there are some lineups that it makes sense to play both of them in. Because it has a contrarian stack in it that's making up for the fact that, like... Like there's no correct answer to that. It's like it depends on the lineup that you're playing. If you're, if I'm going to play this Darnold Robbie Anderson stack, uh, uh, it, like if Robbie Anderson is going to only be owned by me and Michael Leone, like why <laughs> I, I, I could play I could play Henderson and Godwin in, in it, no problem together. But if I'm going to play some chalky hurt stack or something, I'm probably going to separate. I'm probably not going to have them both together because my ownership is going to be too high. How much are you taking advantage uh, of? of late swap this year for, for tournament lineups, like the Kareem hunt situation, or we've had lots of Darrell Henderson where the chalk is going late. Are you building your hand build lineups with swaps in mind ahead of time? Uh, I do. I mean, last week was a perfect example. I was building them with Moreau in mind. I, I, I made so many, I made, I made, I think in three lineups, I made, I, I purposely played Cole Komet at 3000 in the late game, knowing that Foster Moreau's 500 less. And then I've Godwin in the utility and you know who's 500 more than Godwin? Leonard Fournette. And like, like, so those are the swaps that I'm looking at. Or I'm going Godwin to Evans. And I'm moving the Cardinals defense down to the Eagles defense. So I'm keeping that in mind. But it just so happened that last week that a lot, a lot of the best projected plays were in the late games anyway. So I have a lot more optionality to switch. So I saw that in my lineups where I have Daryl Williams, Snowflake, and I have no Jamar Chase, and I have no Terry McLaurin. That it's like, okay, time to switch Godwin out to someone. Time to switch. Now, I didn't mind playing, you know, Moreau for Komet in this one and 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 switch it all up. But, I mean, that's such so much more easy to do when you have 17 lineups compared to 217 lineups. Because uh, I do that in my 200 set, but I'd, I'd be using the, you know, the late swap tool in lineup HQ. With the exception of very highly uh, high lineups. So like typically in the lineups that are like, wow, I smashed the 1 p.m. plays. Like I'm, prob I'm probably going to use my late swap tool to swap out all the lineups, but then look at the, that lineup specifically and go, I'm going to make the, I'm going to make the decisions myself kind of just for this lineup, what I want to do. Cause I'll look at the lineups above me and see like, yeah, the best projected way to play this is by playing Godwin and whoever. And I'll be like, no, I think there's too many people above me that have Godwin. I'm going to switch it to Evans and make and use the Eagles defense. Even though the late swap tool would want me to have the best projected lineup up there. I'm like, if I keep the best projected lineup, I have a good shot at like a top 10. Yeah. But if I swap, I have a, I have a much better shot at first place. Yeah. And I mean, we, we fell into this trap last week with some of our tilt spades lineups. I did two where I was a little too confident in my kind of min cash and cash equity with some Darrell Henderson lineups and left it in and then just narrowly missed it. I, I have been trying to push myself to, if I think it's even on the fence, whether to let it ride or swap, I probably need to swap. Right. Right. So you, you got, you got a bulge. You have, to, you can't be, you can't be playing with scared money. No. If you're, if you're already, if you're playing with the fact of like, oh, I'm okay with them with a top hundred finish. Like then you're playing above your means anyway. You should be like top hundred should be no different. Like to me, the difference is like top ten, then top one. Yeah. Anything outside of top ten, it might as well be a min cash. Like at, right. at, at this point, it doesn't matter. Um, there's a question. I want to combine a couple questions here. Steve trying to ask what kind of sample size do you need to know if you're skilled or just getting lucky? And then Drico in the chat was saying that you've talked about goals a lot recently. 
What do you think the goals of a hobbyist should be and what are the best ways to go about achieving them? Um, and I think Drico's talking about, you know, people who are taking this very seriously, uh, but maybe not playing a huge volume or playing a ton of contests. How, how should we be measuring our success when we don't necessarily have the volume or the amount of sample size to, to definitively tell us? Well, with the sample size, the larger, the better. What that size is, is probably much larger than anyone thinks especially when it comes to NFL. Like, dude, you you wouldn't be able, I don't I don't think you'd be able to tell if you were uh, skillful or lucky within 10 seasons of NFL, <laughs> right? I mean, we're talking about what? Even if you include Thanksgiving and playoffs, maybe 200 slates. Like that's like, if if you play, you could play that many slates in NBA in one season and be unlucky, right? I mean, like, so understand that whatever sample size you think, it's in, insanely longer. I've theorized. I've theorized, I don't, I, I don't know if I'd be correct, that there may not be a single person, even if you played every slate in every sport from the beginning of DFS existence, that has a uh, an ROI that's within one standard deviation. Like that, that may not, that may not be enough of a sample size. Like that may be an exaggeration, but obviously the larger the sample size gets, the more it's the law of large numbers. The larger the number gets, the closer it's going to be to the to the mean. So like, yes, 20 is too little, but it's still better than 10 and it's still better than five. So don't think in terms of how much of a sample size, just think of the longer and longer I play, the the more that that means something. So I, I go, especially in GPP, I go a lot by the top 1% finishes because my goal is to get, just get lineups up there. And at that point, it's kind of all luck. But, you know, late touchdown or something, you know, get it up there. That's one way of doing it. Uh, but uh, but if you're just judging it, it's like if you just started playing DFS and it's week eight and you've just played seven main slates and been like, I've I'm gone one and six. I'm horrible. It's like that. That's too small of a sample size, dude. You know, I've 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 lost I, one in six is, is seven slates. I've lost seven slates in a row in GPP, which means you lose money. In NBA and MLB, like all the time, right? Good players, that happens all the time. Three weeks in a row, 21 days in a row, not returning profit in GPPs, especially GPPs. If you've lost 21 days in a row in cash games, <laughs> yeah, you, now, now you're getting to, you're probably doing something wrong. Uh, you probably win more. It, it could happen, but it's less likely to happen. Uh, yeah. But and if you're a hobbyist, like that, to me, that's the hardest question to answer. If you're a hobbyist, then you you define your own goals. Yep. If you're if if you're just playing as a hobby, to me to me I view uh, DFS as a game similar to poker, right? Where the the scoreboard is money, not like did you get a guy right, like a take, right? I predicted X and it happened. My next question is how much money did you make? If the answer is none, then you failed, right? No matter if the if it's a dollar or $5 or $10,000. So as a hobbyist, like the, your goal is still to make money. Maybe it's not to make the most amount of money. Maybe it's not to make, you know, maybe it's not to have the highest EV lineups, but at the end of the day, that this, this game is scored by money. So like if your goal is to have entertainment for an entire season and break even, that's, that's perfectly fine also. But I mean, do you have to watch shows like this to do that? I mean, if you're playing for <laughs> entertainment, like some people want to play well just for the sake of playing well, which which I commend. I'm I'm more of that type of person. But if there's no monetary reward to it, it's like a waste of time. Because like like uh, I obviously I started playing DFS through soccer, and I used to play the fantasy Premier League game, which is eleven per. It's it's a free game, but it's extremely popular, and there are podcasts about it. This start sit type of stuff. There's when do you use the wild card? When do you use your what captaincy? And it's like this is a free game put on by the Premier League that the winner of out of like a million people gets like like oh you get tickets to to a game and like a slap in the you know like a shake of the hand. And I'm like, why would I put all this time into this if like my reward of my time is like what just like a a, a plaque or something? It's like no. If, if there's a monetary reward, at least there's a there's a reason why I'd be spending my time doing it. So like I'm wired that way. That as a hobbyist, if your goal is beer money, 
then that's fine. Then maximize to your goal being beer money. If your yeah. if your goal is I I there's disposable income and I'm looking to take a shot at life changing money, then don't listen to us and just play play five lineups in the millie maker and just bang your head against the keyboard. I mean, that's perfectly fine to do also. Yeah, but like I'm I'm playing for a living. I'm playing to earn money as if I was sitting in a cubicle doing a job. Can I make that amount of money doing this? That's that's what I maximize for. So if you're a hobbyist, like Pete, like I, I tell hobbyists, like you don't 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 go nuts trying to if you want to if you if you want to be a shitter person, right? Like with Levitan or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you you you're building the lineup on the shitter type of thing. I, I see nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not even going to make fun of you because that you're playing for it. That that's who we make money off of. Yeah, so and I think to do it that way. I always think the poker tournament analogy is really good too, where once you give those dollars for your tournament entry and they give you the chips, those are now ammo. You cannot be limping into every pot because you're worried that it signifies a $25. Each chip is worth 25. It's no, no, no. These are your ammo to win a game. And I do think that speaks to know what your bankroll is. And when you go into those tournaments, you can't play scared. The money is now gone. And this salary is your ammo to win that tournament as best as you can. Right. If you're going to just play the NFL season, if you're not going to play any other sports, what I would suggest is just take money aside, say, I'm going to play for the whole season with 500 bucks and allocate that and just say, I'm for seven to 18 weeks. I'm going to, and maybe some showdowns. Yep. And you say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to play 10% of that. Whatever that is, you start with 500 and you play 10% of that. Whatever it is. If you're down on Thanksgiving, you're down to 20 bucks, then you're only playing $2. Yeah. Right. Because because you're not going to turn so many people want to turn a hundred dollars into a million dollars that doesn't that doesn't happen overnight without getting extremely lucky. I always say my story is I started with four hundred bucks and now I'm at over a half a million in profit over six years. But that's over six years. I mean, that, but that was my goal. My my in the beginning, my goal was just to play and make money, and I you know I had a normal job and everything, and it just turns out that I was making more money playing DFS than I was do my regular job. So I was like, why do I need to do my regular job anymore? I hate it. So like, this is all I'm going to do. Uh, but turning $400 into that, it's it's weird to say, turning $400 into $4,000 is much harder than turning $4,000 into $40,000. Oh yeah. It gets exponentially easier. Obviously you're moving up in stakes, but so if you have four, like th that, this is the whole cash argument. If you, if you have a $500 bankroll, which I don't consider a bankroll, you're probably playing with just discretionary money. Why are you playing? I'm going to play 10% in cash games. I'm going to play, like, why? Like, for what? A, a, maybe a 10% return? I mean, like, like it, if you're playing as a hobby, you don't listen to that. 80-20 split advice. If the, if the 500 bucks you're starting with, you don't have a problem at the end of the year not having it, you might, you might as well play... You might as well play contests that at least you have a better, you probably have a better ROI in. Right. Right. If, if you listen to shows like this, so play GPPs, maybe not play the Millie, but go, go play the, the $12 single entry, the $20 three max stuff like that, rather than like, I'm going to play 10, $1 head to heads. So I get my diversity. It's like, dude, it's like a 10% return. If you play $50 in cash and you're the best cash player at the low stakes, you're expected to return on 50 bucks. Is what? Yeah, seven dollars and fifty cents or something. I mean, like what? So, so what are you playing for? Right. If the only thing I would say, some of those people though might have aspirations to, you know, be a more higher stakes cash game mm -hmm. player, and and you got to start somewhere and and make sure that you are successful at those lower stakes. But like you said, if your if your goal is just pure entertainment or trying to bank, like don't don't waste your time. And I also think you have to be realistic about your goals relative to the contest you play. Like for showdown, I've been playing the super large field. $3.20 max. I play that almost every one. It's a lotto ticket. You, once it's a you lotto enter that ticket. contest, you act like the money doesn't exist. Anymore. Exactly. I have, I know that I'm punting that $60 off. I actually had a, a top five finish in one of them last year, but I, I know that I, it's likely I'm not going to make any money and I'm going to lose all of my entries. But I'm, I know that going into that contest. I don't feel that way when I enter the double spy with 800 people. That's not my goal. My goals are very differently for those two different contests. Right, showdown. I have no problem. Like, like yesterday, I played twelve lineups. Uh, I got back zero. 
<laughs> I, got, I got back nothing, yeah. right? Because I only played Randall Cobb in two lineups, and he got there on three passes. And, uh, and I played Kyler in the captain, and he sucked. So, like, okay, well, then it's gone. I, 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 well, I spent 900 bucks, and it, it's gone, right? I mean, but I mean, but that's why I have a bankroll. I mean, that, that represents less than 1% of my bankroll, so who cares? Yep. All right. We uh, we're running over here, but the, the people always demand that we build a lineup and nothing will be funnier than making you squirm and have to build a lineup on a Friday afternoon. So let's do it. <laughs> Start us off with uh, with something here. Uh, can we can we act as if we're playing? Uh, uh, what 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 contest is Leone playing in? Leone is I don't know what he is playing in tonight. He's he's missing tilt space this week to go trick or treating. So his volume might be scaled back this week. <laughs> Oh, so, so uh, let's let's build a lineup for like let's say the the juke. Let's say or no no. I would say let's do something. Let's do the spy. Let's say like the five thousand person spy because I think that's a contest a lot of people watching will play. Well, I, I want to play no matter what. I want to play Robbie Anderson. Okay, and I I especially want to play Robbie Anderson if Leone's not going to play him. Leone, I think, is in this really weird spot with Robbie where deep down in his bones, he wants to play him so bad, but I think he's terrified that Levitan will fire him if he touts Robbie Anderson. And he's going on the, uh, he's on their big show this week with, uh, I think Wiggins is out. So we'll see if Leone has the stones to tout Robbie Anderson again. No, no, I I, I, will, I want, I I'll, I already know what I want in my lineup. I want, okay. I want uh, Darnold, Moore, Anderson, Pitts. Holy cow. Look at this. You're getting us out of here quickly. Just right. get, the, gotta get out of here. <laughs> we do have to get out of here. Uh, I love the pits play. I think uh, Ridley's going to be very popular. P- people are going to have sticker shock on that Kyle Pitts price tag. I- I'm seeing like sub 5% ownership. Is that what you got? Uh, on pits? Yeah. Let's see. Right now we have him. Oh, I don't even know. Yeah, 8%. Okay. Yeah. That looks uh, that looks pretty good to me. Um, I am going to do. Uh, I'm going to put Zach Moss in at running back. Seems you serious? Like he, you're gonna, I, you're just going to ruin the lineup right away. Zach Moss is a good play this week, and I will not be bullied. Well, hold on, to think I, any I don't even see him. Zach Moss. I don't good. even see him, Pete. Get better projections. <laughs> okay, now he's there. He's he's there. <laughs> I, how come I missed him? Okay, he. Let, let's see how far down. No, he's really far down. He's I had to really save us some down. money after, you know, you're just jamming DJ Moore, Kyle Pitts. Back to you. Uh, oh, you put Zach. Okay. I don't even know how much money. Do, how, how much money do we have to spend? 5250 per player, running back, wide receiver, flex, DST. Okay. We, we, now, we, we, because you put in Zach Moss, uh, we, we got, we got to, we, we got to put in Henderson in this line. I'm on, I'm on board with that. We got, you got to let you, you, you basically cratered our projection. Now, get out of here. Get he out traded of it. No, I'm I'm accessing. Uh, he looks like one of the only. Why why are you down on Zach Moss? Zach he has Moss a six percent looks... smash rating, and according to the blitz projections, no. He looks like a good value. He has a decent ceiling, and he's sub five percent owned in a game with a huge implied team total for the Bills. He's a good play. Okay, if you say so. Thank you. Um. All right. So we have Henderson here. Um, I can tell you are fiending for some more chalk. Um, actually, let's just put in a defense real here. I, I want you to get to make the fun picks. I'll just put uh, Washington football team D in here for now. 6,200 for a wide receiver and tight end. And we already have a tight end with Pitts. Uh, oh, sorry, wide receiver and flex. Uh, I, th- I think we should correlate Moss with the Bills, the Bills uh, defense. Okay, the, all right, that, that I can do. All right, that gives us fifty six hundred per here. Um, you said do you think we can probably eat some chalk here. Um, let's do Higgins. Uh, is, is Higgins going to be that chalky? I think so. I'm saying. How about that. can we fit in? How about? Uh, oh, do I? Do we? 6K? Do we, do we want to play Brandon Cooks? Is that is that bad chalk? Let's see. Brandon Cooks at fifty seven hundred, because that goes along with Daryl Henderson at least. Oh yeah, all right. I think so I'm looking at that same range. It's like hey, these guys all project. They're, they're. I think Higgins is fine. I'm just saying that like if we're gonna play Higgins at fifty two, why don't we just play Cooks at fifty seven since we have Henderson in there? Yeah, that we makes sense. Similarly, right? 
Um, I'm taking this seriously, Pete. I can tell you're taking it seriously, and I I appreciate that. I think this lineup looks good to me. Oh, and then you put in Higgins there, and you put as a one-off. Yeah. We could. We do have a little bit of salary to spend if we like something up. Devont, we could play Devontae Smith as a one-off. That's true. He's probably a better as a as a non-chalk one-off. Right, and he projects for slightly higher than Higgins. Yes. Uh, there you go. Right. I like that lineup. All right, there you go. Other Played than it. Moss. Other than, uh, probably I will play that lineup minus Moss. There's yeah, something. who are you putting in instead of Moss? I don't know. I'll go down <laughs> to defense or do something. You could you could car, uh, correlate uh, what? Michael Carter with T. Higgins there instead of Devonta Smith and Zach Moss, something like that. Yeah, what other running backs are in that range that I could play? Uh, Kenny Gainwell? Or you could play Gainwell. Eli Mitchell. You play Eli Mitchell there, and, and you go down from the Bills defense to the Browns defense. Just to here and just just to kind of put a bow on the conversation we were having earlier, I put this lineup uh, in my little sheet to see here. And relative to, um, so the C, I was calculating ceiling ownership on like the chalk lineup, and I had two hundred twenty three ceiling points, one hundred thirty nine cumulative ownership. This lineup, one hundred ninety six ceiling points, a hundred cumulative ownership. So the question for you is sacrificing. 27 projected points worth getting rid of 39. No, it's oh, not. Yeah. That's why we shouldn't have Zach Moss in the goddamn lineup. Zach, if you can find someone that projects for more uh, ceiling, put, than in, Zach put, Moss in, Eli, put in Eli Mitchell, Eli Mitchell, and the Browns defense. Not going to change it. It'll change it. It'll it'll be better. It's, it's not going to change the uh, the ceiling projection. I'll tell you that. Eli Mitchell, and I do like Eli Mitchell this week. Um, well, so what projections are you using? Remember, the Blitz likes the the Panthers. That, that actually more. lowered our ceiling projection down to 192 and upped our ownership projection. So good one, Blender. I don't know what you're looking at. <laughs> I, 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 you don't seem to understand on my on my projections. I have Robbie Anderson projected for 32 points. 32 points. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously. <laughs> I'm just saying that's the way we'll make it up. You know, you know, we're gonna get all, we're gonna get all the points for Ron, Robbie Anderson all in one week when Leone's out trick or treating. That's right. Uh, that would be absolutely brutal. All right, Blender. Uh, thank you for joining. People can check you out. Uh, broadcasting as many hours as I do a day. You got the Theory of DFS podcast, which I highly recommend. You have your Theory of DFS Master Course audiobook. Any other plugs? I'm forgetting here. No, that's that's good enough. That's a, that, that, I, I've talked enough as it is. Thank you. Yeah. No, this is, I was actually feeling, my voice was feeling, you know, fatigued. And I was like, what guests can I bring on? So I don't have to talk a lot. And I knew I had to bring out Blender. So thank you, Blender. Always a highlight of the year getting to talk to you. Good luck in your GPPs this week.